Welcome to episode 125 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, I decided lately that maybe I have run out of tips. Maybe. <laughs> that I'll, I'll share them when they come to me. But I thought another nice thing to share would be kind of my like resource of the week that I've been uh, using a lot of. And this week it is uh, lots of play-based boom cards, which sounds counterintuitive a little bit that we're going to, you know, um, doing some natural play, but with boom cards. But there is an account that I've um, found that's Anna D. SLP, and she has lots of play-based articulation, um, play-based themes that have just lots of little sticker parts that you can move around. So I've been using those with my younger kids to do some auditory bombardment. She has some scenes that it's like um has like an ice cream shop and then at the bottom it she'll list all of the words that you can use with that certain speech sound to play in that little ice cream shop while you're on the computer so that's been my favorite resource this week and i will put a link in the show notes too so everybody can find it when they're looking for it but if you just go and on boom cards and search play based i think a lot of her activities will pop up for you Awesome. I'll have to check that out because yeah. I have kids I'm working with that are in that age range, and it's always great to have something a little different. Yep. And speaking of a little different uh, than what we've usually presented or had guests on, we do have a speech pathologist, uh, speech language pathologist who's joining us from Canada, who does telepractice. So we're checking those boxes. Right. But she also does other things, and she's expanded her practice and and sort of wears different hats. Uh, And her name is Donna Zemanek, and she is doing lots of mindfulness, and um, she's doing some mindful speech and language therapy, as well as helping people learn to listen to themselves and communicate to themselves and being present and being heart-centered. And that's something I think we all can use right now is how to be more heart-centered when we're working with our our patients or our clients. So we have Donna joining us. Well, Donna, welcome to the podcast. Please share more about your background. Ah, I'm a speech-language pathologist. That's that's how I identify for the purpose of this um, this telepractice webinar today. I've graduated in 1988 and spent the majority of my practice in um, cognitive communication therapy. So my my thrust was neuroscience. When I mm-hmm. did get my master's, I was always interested in rehabilitation and the brain. So I worked both with pediatric pediatrics and adults. And um, in my practice, um, took a leading role in the province uh, for both acquired brain injury. And um, then as my interests changed with maturity in uh, complementary and alternative uh, practices for speech pathologists. Awesome. So, so what, what was the spark that led you in this other direction of, 
um, more holistic well, kind of. Yeah. Well, I, you know what? It's really interesting. My background, I've, I've always had an interest in this um, and just kind of quickly people find it interesting. My mother was an intuitive um, and wow. she worked for the University of Toronto for the psychic research foundation. So, so hmm. exploration and the unknown was not such a, a, a mystery to me. I right. lived with it. Um, mm. My dad was also a healer and, and he worked with great healers um, as a diplomat in applied kinesiology, which is somebody who mm-hmm. basically um, uses acupuncture with their hands. And he was one right. of the originals. So I trucked around with him um, all over North America and, and all of the pioneers in that as a child that being said, once I became a teenager, I thought it wasn't cool anymore to be different. And I just wanted to be right. normal. But really, I'm not normal. I, I never <laughs> really was. But in my trying to, that was part of the reason to go into speech pathology, actually. Actually, I wanted to get into something that could be didactic and, and have boundaries and, and stay within the rails. Um, but then when I was about 39, I was diagnosed with advanced cervical cancer um, and it had moved pretty quickly and I had four children at the time. So the radical surgery that they wanted me to have um, was just not something I could live with. And I turned back to my roots. Um, I stopped being embarrassed about them and apologizing for them and dove into them um, and really remembered what I could do with my mind and my body. And so uh, that was the journey that I took and it landed me um, in into this healing place. And uh, long story short, I really wanted to bring it into uh, speech language pathology. So, so here I am. Yeah. And so here you are. Yeah. And, and, I, I, I spent a lot of years um, reverse engineering, which was okay for my journey at that point. I won't do it now. Reverse engineering as to, mm-hmm. How, how did I do this? Why am I still alive? Like, how, how did I actually do this? Because I had surrendered and made a commitment to myself that I had the will to heal. I had the desire to heal. And this was the direction I was going to take. And I modeled individuals who had healed and used all of my skills as a cognitive communication therapist to, to break down my old belief systems and rebuild new beliefs Um and, you know, in the practice of learning energy medicine and mindfulness training and um, a lot of different uh, energy therapies and modalities, I really understood what I did. And I call it sort of the naked way because I didn't know what I was doing when I did it. I was just following my own inner guidance um, and have come full circle to understand that it really is about listening to your own inner voice and um, you know, to tell people out there, they don't have to take every course in the world to do that. It, it, it is complicated, but it is simple at the same time and, and it can be done. And I think as speech pathologists, wow, do we mm-hmm. ever have a platform for doing this? Because right. when we're helping others to heal and we want to motivate them, mm-hmm. I think that in some ways we've maybe missed the boat in terms of the basic premise mm-hmm. of real communication, real connection, and real competence, which is an individual's communication with themselves. Because everything that we speak, think, act is a reflection of how we feel about ourselves and the conversations that we have internally. And so 
I really understood with my own healing that that was where we needed to begin. And that is where a true self-empowered program begins and aligns. So is is that sort of the self meets self paradigm? Yes, yes, yeah. Okay, see, I've done my reading. Uh, so yeah. can you elaborate a little bit more about that? So if someone hears that term, self meets self paradigm, it's yeah. it's about listening to yourself. Exactly. And and it's not always easy because um, you know, we go through this conditioning and imprinting in childhood. Um, you know, even neurological, those mirror neurons. Um, and we we grow a brain and we grow a personality based on all the influences in our lives, right? Um really well-meaning people and society who basically um, conditions us and programs us to believe a, a certain set of paradigms, right, about ourself. Mm -hmm. And so who we are, we're generally afraid to emerge as mm -hmm. who we are because we need to stay within the lines, right? And it wasn't it wasn't until I was challenged with with death that mm -hmm. I felt confident enough to go, well, you know what? If I can't be me now, I never will. So so here I go. Right. Um, and that's where it began. And, and as I said, I used my skills. I, um, I took a trip, probably something that was pivotal was I took a trip to California to meet a therapist. Um, her name is Cheryl Canfield, and she wrote a book called Profound Healing. And she, through an email, actually embraced me. I, I feel so lucky and invited me down to her ranch. She spent nine days with me, and all she did was be present with me. No, no specific teaching, just present with me, allowed me to be who I was and speak. And, you know, the occasional wisdom came out and she introduced me to yoga. Um, and when I came back, I was transformed. And I believe that I was transformed because her open heart allowed mine to open. It gave me permission. And I saw her being who she was. And she taught me how to be who I was and to really listen to my heart. Um, and, and when I came back, I, I knew that with whatever time I had left with my children, that I was just going to be that person who I was meant to be. And, and it was a lot of work to get there. It really was. It wasn't easy. Um, but um, you, learn, you learn to listen. When you can be quiet and you can distill who you are from the story of your life, tease it out. A little bit more effectively, you know what that inner voice is. We all know what that inner voice is. Um, we're just afraid more often than not to listen to it. I love that. I Very think true. a lot of those things, I think, speak to us as speech language pathologists trying to make decisions for our clients. But I was also thinking, as you said, that helping my clients to do for that for themselves. I have um, my school that I have this year is in an area where I've had some kids share some really heavy things, like kids that are dealing with homelessness. Um, I had one kid that had several family members die in the past couple of years and expressed that he wanted to join them in heaven in the middle of one of my mm -hmm. sessions and just so much heaviness. And I, so I have two part question. One, how do we help our, our clients to heal? And how do we not take that home <laughs> or, and, mm -hmm. or at least to the level where it's weighing down on us and affecting our ability to function in oh. our daily lives? 
Excellent question, Kim. Okay, so to answer, how, how do we not bring that home? And that is you do your own work and you learn to stand in the strength and understanding that this is their journey and that's your journey. And that seems counterintuitive and it seems like a really easy way to just dismiss it. But I got to I got to tell you that never in time has there been any proof or evidence that the worse you feel, the better they get. <laughs> right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. That that's just simple. And and if I were to say to you, Kim, you're going to go see a doctor and when you walk in to see the doctor, you're going to tell them what you're feeling and say the doctor says to you, "Oh my god, how how, how is that even possible? What what are we going to do about this?" How are you going to feel as a client? Mm-hmm. Worse. <laughs> so when you can walk into a session and you can balance yourself and you can learn to work through your own heart and to align with the knowledge that you're all doing the best you can with what you have and you're here to help in this moment, then you can call from the mountaintop and not get in the muck with them. Mm-hmm. And somebody who comes to you for help is really their their inner guidance, their soul their higher self is not asking for you to feel bad. They're asking for hope and inspiration and light. And they're coming to you for that. And I really feel on a very deeper level, it's our responsibility to show them that. So when they walk through the door, whatever they say to you, you need to allow them to speak and to see them as whole, right? You can do that even without words. You can do that energetically just by looking at them and seeing them as whole and understanding that there is a part of them that is whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and what was the other part of your, and, and that's complex. Yeah. But yeah. And other? I think you kind of did answer it, the how, how do we help our, our clients heal too? And I think you kind of did answer that. Yeah. You, you remain present for them mm-hmm. and, and presence is a skill we all need to learn. Right. Presence yeah. is when you have that feeling because they've just told you this and your heart sinks. Right. Presence is being present with with the feeling that you've just felt and then reminding yourself that they are whole already. And so are you. And then bring that energy back up. Right. So I teach the skills of um, I would teach you, Kim, to have in your pocket a whole bunch of tools for bringing yourself back to that point. For example, remembering a moment in your life where you felt safe and really embodying that moment and hardwiring it so that you can access it when you need to. So that when you feel yourself out of alignment, you can bring yourself back to that resonant state of safety and you can shine that light for them, with them at that moment. I like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, so at a time when there's nothing else you can do, but be compassionate, um, that, that, that's a skill that you can use and a tool that you can use to just be there like that grandmother, you know, who's there just to give you a hug and listen and love you. That's it. Sometimes you don't need to respond with words. The, the kid, you know, our, our kids, our clients, they learn those type of skills more through experience than they ever will with words. Yeah. Yeah. 
I like how you talked about seeing our clients as whole. I think so much as a helping profession, we see our clients as something that needs to be fixed. And we are the fixers of that. But I think, yeah, seeing them as whole and that my job is to help them express the wholeness that they are. That's right. What they already are rather than change them into something else. Yeah. And that's why, Kim, you need to walk into the therapy session balanced and whole yourself. Mm -hmm. So, So we as therapists have to do the work because we can't give something we don't own. Right. We just can't. Um, and, and we're all human and we're all going through this process and consciousness is shifting and we all are learning to use our own voice when there's so much commotion and chaos um, and division out there. We're really called upon to look into our own hearts right now and see what is what is best for us. So so it's good training in all aspects of our life, you know. Not not just as a therapist, but as members of this community, um, both regionally, globally, in our homes and our families, mm-hmm. all of it. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about the energy that you walk into a room with, I am never at the moment physically walking into a room with my clients. Right. I am I am completely telepractice based. So how does that change that energy? Can we still share it? And how do we do that? Oh, absolutely. So, so one of the principles of energy itself is that intent moves energy, which means where your attention goes, energy flows. And you can actually measure the resonance of your heart at a distance. So, you know, the way that we can measure the um, electro with electrodes on the brain, we can measure the um the thoughts that that we have you can also now measure the electromagnetic resonance of the heart and so um even though we can only go i think three or four meters that's the extent of our capacity to measure it what we know right now is that it influences other people whether you are present or whether you are across the world So there is no time-space limit on energy, which is basically the fundamentals of energy healing, energy medicine, distance healing, those kinds of things. Time-spaces, I know that this is a little bit um, maybe eccentric or advanced for this particular um, session, but, you know, in in energy, there is no no space. It it just is. So... Um, and and they've done those experiments in quantum physics, right? Mm-hmm. They, they they have done those experiments where they clearly can see that uh, distance doesn't matter. Yeah, that so, the non-locality is what they. There it is. You have done your homework. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I'm yeah. telling you, I'm I'm into it. Yeah, but, <laughs> and you know what? The, 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 even the mirror neurons, and mm-hmm. we don't learn about those speech paths. Now, I was well graduated way before neuron neuro mirror neurons, but um, you know, over the last ten years, the studies clearly show that we subconsciously pick up what other people feel. Right. Mm-hmm. That that's the capacity to do that. But it's not just visual, it's energetic. We have the this capacity as humans to broadcast and to receive. And it and it's below the surface. Right. Mm-hmm. So you want to prepare for a session, do what I did before this, right? Just stop, center yourself, remember who you are, breathe into your heart, breathe into your heart, breathe into your heart, and just Feel love. And the minute that you do that, you shift 
your own energy and you become the beacon that the person in front of you can appreciate. Mm-hmm. You'll smile more. Your eyes will sparkle. You'll feel sincere. You'll feel yourself. And by looking at your clients lovingly and wholly, you will, I guarantee you, inspire them to be more productive and participatory. Right. I mean, even we all know, too. I, I mean, I don't know if you if you guys have studied any of the neuroscience in the last few years, but um, even appreciation primes the brain. Right. Mm-hmm. Gratitude primes Gratitude. the cortex, the mm-hmm. frontal cortex for learning. Yeah. So does joy. So does laughter. So does a smile. All of it. Taking time, being being compassionate. Right. And there's a. I think there's a common misconception about compassion and and compassion is not something you can be fatigued with because compassion is a light. It's, it's sharing your love from a heart centered perspective and a knowing that the person in front of you is okay, no matter what they're going through, right? You don't get fatigued from that. So there's a difference between the compassion where you're calling from the mountaintop and you find yourself back up there and standing in front of your client and allowing them to come to you than going down there and all of a sudden getting that lump in your throat and the stone in your belly and going, crap, now what do I do, (laughs) right? You know, you might have that smile on your face and you might still be continuing, but there are energetic receptors in the brain and you're still broadcasting how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it is all one big um, package, right? I mean, we used to call those pragmatics or super segmentals. And, you know, <laughs> most of what you say is in how you say it as opposed right. to the, the, the words. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's even deeper. Now we have a communication mm-hmm. from the heart that we know exists that's even deeper and that impacts the person in front of us in the room, if not the room. And even studies, there's a, a doctor, Dr. Shamini Jane, she has some great YouTube videos out and she talks about how just a smile increases pro-social behavior and your capacity to be present for your clients and see them as whole increases pro-social behavior. You know, you can just sit there, Kim, and, and talk and enjoy your clients and you've done something. Right. 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 You know, if your clients feel better when they end than they did when they began, then you're a success. Very true. And and that can be a, as you were saying earlier in any interaction, you know, at home and with colleagues um as well as with your your clients that you're working with. Yeah, absolutely. So, you t- you talked a little bit in there about fatigue too, um, the uh, compassion fatigue, which you say that you can't be fatigued if you're truly feeling compassion. Um, how about the Zoom fatigue that some people feel? Is there an energy reason for that? <laughs> and how do we combat it? Well, you know what? I, I, I personally have you know different beliefs around that. So uh, I believe that there are impacts Um on the brain, specifically the pituitary, to be sitting in front of the computer and the screen all the time, and that it's not natural for us. So it is very difficult not to be moving and not to be um, 
you know, walking around the office and getting a cup of tea and at the water cooler and those kind of things. So I think we really do, if we want to come to the screen as my best self, we need to ground in between. We need to take time to really ground ourselves. And if that means walking away from the computer and doing a breath uh, meditation or just simple breath work or going and laughing, watching a funny video, going out if you're in a warm climate and rubbing your toes into the grass, um, you know, looking at the sky, listening to the birds, just being present yourself and bringing yourself back to your own center um, will really, I believe will really help. I mean, I know it's difficult because, you know, I graduated in 88. So this is all really new to me. And my last two years in teletherapy, I found very draining, very, very draining. Yeah. So um, those are, those are the things that I was able to use, but I can say, um, the kids were always happy. It was predominantly kids. Mm-hmm. That they always ended up happy. It didn't matter what trick I pulled out of the bag um, in front of the computer. They they were always just very happy in the end. And and yeah. and I make it a point to um, to to engage them with joy and gratitude. We'd start our sessions with you know what was really great about today. I'll tell you if you tell me, and really prime them with a lot of activity that makes them excited. Mm-hmm. That's very good. So, I mean, you you were mentioning how you want to coach others, yes, to to do this, and especially you know perhaps even uh, speech pathologists who are out there wanting to understand this even more. Can you talk about how you kind of put on that coach's hat and and then uh, how that works? Yeah, absolutely. So when I'm working with speech pathologists for the public, I talk a lot more about. Um, our essential nature, our divine self, our capacity to see ourselves as connected to everything that is, um, and to see ourselves energetically as part of everything that is. Because in my world, in my belief system, we are connected to absolutely everything. And that the greater part of us is um, ever-ending, never-ending, and um, it, it expansive and we always have the opportunity to access that by going inward as opposed to looking outside of ourselves and and inside is really where all the answers lie um you know i i I think i'm very fortunate because i come from an intuitive family and so the thoughts that i receive um, are generally very accurate and and I, i i am able to teach people how to learn to listen to their own voice and their own heart and to make decisions based on that, specifically around health. Yeah. Uh, We live, you know, I teach them that um, from my perspective, we live in a uh, perceptually based reality. And that when we learn to change our perception of who we are, then the world around us changes, right? It's it's all part of that broadcasting and, and that energetic nature of who we really are. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, it's, it's easy at this point in time to bring in a lot of evidence-based research on all of those components around distance healing and energy medicine and, um, you know, the way that compassion heals. So, yeah. And so when you work with 
other professionals or other individuals who want to learn. Some of that's done through telepractice, correct? Some of that coaching? Yes. And then, yeah. Well, I just recently did, as you saw, um, a seminar, and I spent some time teaching about the basic premises of energy um, and the basic premises of perception and um, how our belief system is built before we're seven years old and that we basically spend the rest of our life uh, looking for evidence to support our beliefs. And that's why we keep making the same mistakes until we become conscious of what it is we're doing. And we see these repeated patterns of behavior that got us there and then have the will and the capacity to take a look at what it is that's standing between ourselves and our health, ourselves and our success, ourselves and our relationships. Um, and then to begin to create them from a new mind. Right. Yeah. And from what I saw uh, and read, you, you also have, um, I guess, a, a retreat facility there where people can yes. come and, and study with you, right? Yeah, I, I, um, I was really lucky. Like, as I said, I, I, for the purposes of this, it is, this is my coaching hat. Sure. Um, I have had some sort of guide that I can hear very clearly. And um, about 10 years ago, I was basically guided to go to a place called Bancroft, Ontario, which is rural Ontario, but it is absolutely pristine. And when I got there, I just knew that I was supposed to be there. So um, I lived there for a year off the grid. I, I picked up my kids at the time, five <laughs> of them, and put my house up for sale and moved them up there. They hated me. They loved me now. <laughs> I'm sure they did um, at the time. And and we lived there for a year and had that experience. And then uh, I did go back. I was able to buy a property. And I have a beautiful property with a lake and 183 acres and miles or kilometers of trails. Um, and it sleeps about 20. And people can come up and they can stay um, for a week and just enjoy nature or they can have me work with them and coach them the way that I was uh, with Cheryl Canfield because that, that's my mm -hmm. dream she when she never asked me for anything she said to me when I asked her what she wanted she said just just pay it forward and so I think the universe has given me that opportunity to pay it forward yeah mm -hmm. and I love dogs so I don't know if uh it's not a telepractice thing, but I do have four dogs, big dogs, who walk through the trails with people as their guides. So oh, it's nice. really a crazy experience. You kind of feel like the Pied Piper as they lead you because we, we have bears and we have wolves and we have coyotes and, and moose, actually. We almost ran mm -hmm. over a moose last week. So. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. And, yeah. And as I learned when I used to live in Utah, moose can be dangerous. <laughs> yes, yep. especially during the fall. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're 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 not the docile little oh, big animals that they <laughs> sort of the reputation. Uh, yeah. So so with with the retreat center that I'm building, the the goal is to bring people there to ground in any way that they need to. So um, especially families. I mean the, the 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 growing is what we're doing right now. We're in the, those stages of growing. We've I've had a number of people come and just stay for a week, and I work with them. But what I really want to see is families coming and children coming, so that they can get off their phones and get off their 
devices and just mm-hmm. uh, live in the woods um, for a week at a time, swim in the crystal clear lakes. Yeah. Oh, it, and, it, and it sounds wonderful. I'll tell you. Yeah. 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 Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful what you say. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'd, I would love it. I have lots of room. Kim, come on down. Where are uh, you guys located? I'm I'm in Utah and Todd's in Ohio. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So we, we know each other because we were at Utah State University together. I was on faculty and she was one of my grad students. Yep. Oh, fantastic. Many years ago. Oh, so, mm. so Todd, what may I, might I ask in sure. this interview, were you on faculty? When was I on faculty? No, what, what was your, uh, what did you teach on, fac- in fa- on faculty? So at Utah State, I was uh, hired to come in and help uh, build a specialization in their speech path program focused on you know, young children with hearing loss and in developing listening and spoken language. Okay. And so I, we wrote a federal training grant, a personnel prep grant is what they call them. And Kim was on one of, one of the students that uh, was on that grant and got yep. some funding for, for going to school. And, uh, and then we developed a specialization in the deaf ed program as well. They had ASL and deaf culture, but they didn't have sort of the spoken language track. And we had our audiology students as well, getting some experience more in pediatrics. And then we set up a preschool uh, early intervention and preschool program called Sound Beginnings, which is still going. And, uh, and then that's where we, uh, Kim and I, and some of the other students got first involved with telepractice because we, as a part of all that work that was going on with several different faculty and, and different people, we started looking at how can we, you know, best serve families and could we provide, you know, services through telepractice. And so we set up a little project and got some funding for that and um, started off with a couple of families just providing telepractice early intervention services. These are you know, really young uh, children that had uh, hearing loss and started doing the parent coaching and, and working with the parents through telepractice. And Kim was a part of that as well. So, um, so she got exposed to telepractice uh, what, 2009, 2010-ish? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, yeah. This is interesting. If, can I ask another question? Sure. Based on what we're talking about. Um, so so for, for the purposes of what we're speaking of, mm-hmm. and so I've said to you, um, we have a, a, a level of communication that is beyond words that yes. that we now know is is a resonance from the heart that is perceived and broadcast. Mm-hmm. How, if you were to structure this into a program with deaf or hard hard of hearing preschoolers, what would that look like? Would you even consider something like that? I would have to, I would need you (laughs) to help me with that. (laughs) I'm also thinking, um, I have a couple of students right now that are non-speaking with autism. Mm. And I think I, you know, as you're talking about it, I can feel their energy when they walk in the room, whether it's going to be a good day or it's going to be a rough day. And just those students that really don't have a a consistent, another way to communicate effectively with others. Um, 
you know, building something around that. And I don't know, I'm the same as Todd. I don't know what that would look like, but I think, you know, teaching some of that and incorporating some of that into the other things we do would be helpful for these kids. Well, um, if you walk into a room, Kim, and you're in a bad mood, do you feel that some of these autistic kids are aware? Um, yes, <laughs> I think, mm-hmm. I think they get it. And then I have, I have older ones too that are verbal and I, there's one in particular that there's just something we butt heads. <laughs> I don't know why, but me and him, we butt heads and I try my best. I'm like, okay, <laughs> to kind of like calm and center myself before I go into those sessions. But there's just something, um, I think that, that it is that they feed off of my energy and, uh, this student gets very frustrated because everyone always thinks that they're argue- he's arguing with them when he's not. They always think that I'm mad. They always think that I'm arguing. And I think that is like there's something about the energy that he puts off that even if he says it the same way that someone else would say it, there's something about it that it's just like comes off as he's arguing with me. And then it like just kind of has the spiral with it that mm-hmm. it gets worse. <laughs> Right. So, so I can, I believe, and I, and I haven't done a lot of work with the autistic population, um, just through family and friends. I believe that if your heart and your mind are not aligned, that most of the autistic kids that I've seen will know this automatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. There, there's a resonance and that, um, yep. you know, I don't know if there's a branch in heart math that works with autism. Have you heard of heart math? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Oh, you will love heart math. <laughs> heart um, math. They basically, yeah. heart math. The Heart Math Institute talks about um, resonance or alignment where the your intentions have to match your heart. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there's chaos. And individuals can read that chaos, again, on a subconscious level. And that's especially children, you know, when we're, when we're teaching our children and Johnny comes up and he says, what's the matter, mom? And you're like, right. And you're like, nothing, everything's fine. Mm -hmm. Right. We're teaching confusion we're teaching chaos. Um, And one of the things that I teach when I help parents is that you have to be real with your children. You have to tell them if you're not feeling good and you can't pull it together, you need to say, I'm not feeling good right now. I will feel really good soon. So I'm just going to give you a hug and we'll talk in a little bit. But the whole notion of the way that at least I was raised in my generation where you just, you know, you wore that blank stare or that smile, no matter how you felt, that that actually creates a form of chaos mm-hmm. um, in terms of resonance. And we, it's, a, it, it's just knew that people are really understanding that this gets picked up. I mean, I, I can read people. I was born with a lie detector that my children absolutely <laughs> cannot stand, right? People around me can't stand because if you say something to me that's not true, it hits me in a spot energetically and I just know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everybody has that capacity. So teaching yourself to become aligned and to really feel what it is you need to say authentically is alignment 
And that improves connection and that improves communication on every level. And, you know, that if, if I were to go back and be a speech pathologist and be a graduate student, that's where I would focus is really learning to line up, to have that communication, that thought process align with your heart and speak the same so that people around you can feel warm and fuzzy and connected about what it is you have to say. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, that primes the brain for learning when a child Mm -hmm. feels safe, when any individual feels safe, their capacity for learning improves exponentially. Right. 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 So, and and even in telepractice, even online, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I often had my parents sign a waiver because in Canada, you probably have to do the same thing. So if we're going to do something that is evidence-based, but not common, we have to have them sign a waiver and say, you know, this, this is a practice that's evidence-based and I'm going to include it in my therapy. Do you agree? And so for the most part, the kids that I work with, they have to do breath work before and after therapy, not have to, they join me in breath work before Mm -hmm. and after therapy. And you would be shocked how many children do not know how to breathe. I I actually had a student this week that I had to re like, I thought he was going to pass out because he was so stressed out that he was forgetting to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to just tell him we're stopping everything. We're just going to breathe right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're just going to stop. Or you know what? I'm just going to look at your eyes right now. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to stop. So we could do this for a second right now. Kim, just, just look in my eyes. If we can even do this in the computer. Can you see my eyes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. How did that feel? It was very regulating. <laughs> <laughs> Something that simple. Yeah. Johnny, you're doing a fantastic job. I just want to look in your eyes for a minute. Can you do that? You know, sometimes they're bouncing off the table and you're not going to get (laughs) back to happen. I understand that. But if you have an older person who is willing to bring themselves back to center, something as simple as that can do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I can feel it. I can see your energy. I could see you calming. And then I could see you going, shit, what am I doing? It's it's the, right right it's mm-hmm. the it's it's the panic moment of like what am I supposed to be doing right now I can't just I can't right. just be I can't just still I can't just right. sit. yes we can yes There's we something can. that yes 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 that we need to learn to to that's right yeah yeah yep. and by you showing up with that capacity you give them permission to do the same yeah right be the eccentric therapist right. Be, be that individual who allows space in their life. There's no space mm-hmm. in people's lives these days. Everything has to be occupied by something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I can honestly say being, you know, from a different generation, we had much more space mm-hmm. in our lives. I, right? I understand what you're saying. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and it just gets filled in. And I think these kids, they're, their lives are very, very different. And and I'm speaking, you, is it predominantly kids that you work mm-hmm. with, the, yeah. the pediatric population? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Finding space is great. If, you know, if, if I ran ASHA, I'd insist that everybody start and end therapy session with breath work. Yeah. And eye contact. Yeah. Become center. 
So one one of the things that I've noticed, you know, certainly the the concepts of mindfulness, you know, is it, they're often discussed, and even in our graduate program, we talk about mindfulness, and and in our what we call support systems, it's sort of a counseling support systems class. That professor is very much into mindfulness, and they practice mm-hmm. it in the class. But yeah. I think what I see as a need is. And this is not in any way um, saying anything. I'm not saying anything negative about mindfulness. What I'm what I'm trying to get at is what goes what comes be goes beyond mindfulness. I mean, within mindfulness, how do you keep how do you go keep growing in energy, in vibration, in resonance? Yes, mindfulness is a part of that, but it's not the only thing. Correct. I, so, I couldn't agree more, Todd. Yes. And and I spent all that money on all those mindfulness <laughs> training courses. Right. <laughs> um, and all you got was this t-shirt that says mindfulness. I would say I would say I would say consciousness. Consciousness. Right. And 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 in in my lecture, consciousness is basically defined as um your your capacity to understand that you exist as part of something larger, Mm -hmm. right? There's many, many definitions for consciousness, but I -hmm. believe that anybody with the will and awareness and the desire can do this. And as speech pathologists, we are all about attention, awareness, now regulation. Regulation is not just for psychotherapists anymore. And mm-hmm. I can be quoted as saying that because I truly believe that as speech pathologists, we need to step into that area because self-regulation through intrapersonal communication is the platform for teaching somebody to really understand who they are and what their motives are and how to move forward from that position. Mm-hmm. Right to dismantle the old beliefs, to instill new beliefs, to catch yourself along the way. When you stumble, there's no such thing as a mistake. You 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 become present, which is where the mindfulness attitudes and concepts come into play. But really being conscious of what you're saying to yourself as you go through your day, how you're feeling, how you're embodying this capacity to really be present. I think speech pathologists, I really do think, maybe I'm being a little bit egocentric, but I do think we're the profession to do that. I think speech pathologists are the profession to to, to break that ceiling and bust through. And, you know, I just said it to somebody recently, I think we belong in consciousness and self-regulation as much as we do in swallowing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we we really, really do. We have all the skill set in my mind um, that we need to, to be very um, pivotal in this movement towards connection and communication as speech language pathologists. Yeah. So it's all about, yeah, communicating with yourself. Yeah. And uh, it, it, so I agree with you. I think we can be that profession that, that focuses on, on that. Yeah. 
and helps individuals understand that first. And especially like me as I'm training future SLPs to to have yep. that conversation and learn those skills to a degree um, before they enter the profession. And- 100%. I mean, we imitated long before we understood who and what and why we were imitating. And we bring those behaviors into our adulthood and they are pervasive and they permeate our capacity to communicate, whether it's an impaired communication or a regular communication. And I think that we really do um, have a place in teaching this uh, language of the self. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, do you guys, does that feel familiar? Does that feel? It does. Yeah. It does. It does. And and I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. I think the other thing that if I were to teach therapists, um, and there's an amazing um, instructor or um, professor at the University of Toronto, Lynn Elwood, who's been very supportive of me. And um, we both feel strongly that that our heart center matters in our connection with our client. And that at this point, I feel we need to be teaching that to young therapists. We need to be teaching therapists how to enter the therapy room or how to enter telepractice whole ourselves so that we can bring that forward in the clients that we see. And, you know, just from, just from a neuroeducational perspective, right? A happy child is a child who's primed to learn. Exactly. Yeah. A safe child is a child who's primed to learn. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. Nobody ever taught me that when I went to school, although that was a long time ago. Are they teaching that now? <laughs> Probably not. Not no, <laughs> no, not not in that the way you framed it. It's not yeah. taught that yeah. way. Yeah. So it's it's pretty simple. And after 33 years in practice, you know, and having five of my own raising five of my own children, um, mm-hmm. it's pretty clear. Yeah. I think I am starting to see that in the new wave of um working with students with autism in mm-hmm. that it's more focused on connection than compliance. Yes. And I think that right. that is a, it, there's just certain things in the field that it's almost like the field can catches up to what we felt mm-hmm. in our heart before. Like there are things that we've done um, or been taught to do that for some reason, they just don't feel good. They, it doesn't feel good when you do them. And Thank then, you. and then, yeah. yes, it does. And then all of a sudden, you know, research catches up with it. And it's like, we mm-hmm. shouldn't be forcing kids to do eye contact. And I'm like, yes, that always felt icky for lack of a better word for it. Yes. That didn't feel good to try and make kids do that. Yeah. And it, and then we figured out at, with research. Yep. That doesn't work. No, it, for anybody. Right. right. For anybody, you know, we, we don't learn by being forced to do something. We mm-hmm. learn by coming mm-hmm. to our own conclusions and being gently led. Yep. Right. Absolutely. And and feeling safe so that mm-hmm. we can be led. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when I went to school, we were taught to have, you know, to really keep your distance, that there was a distance between you and your client. Yes. Right? That you were on the pedestal mm-hmm. and they were on the chair and you didn't make those type of connections because it just wasn't right. Well, you know what? Right. I believe that should be busted. <laughs> right. 
I still I agree. like it. <laughs> I agree. That, that we really do need to connect with our clients first. If we want to be effective, that yep. it is connection first. End of story. And we can certainly do that and maintain our boundaries. Nobody's suggesting that we step outside of our boundaries of professionalism. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can we can do all of this on a subconscious level. Yeah. You know, we right. can smile. We can we can hold an eye gaze. We can think in our heart. We can, you know, pre-pave our therapy session by imagining it going well before mm-hmm. we step into the therapy room. There's so many things that we can do energetically to create a, a session that is far more powerful and effective. Yeah. Yeah. And and not be afraid to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't be exactly. afraid. Don't be afraid. All therapists out there, use your voice. We're speech therapists. We're communication specialists. If we can't connect, we can't communicate. End of story. Yep. yep. Very true. Well, yep. Donna, it's been a wonderful conversation. And, and how can people who are listeners can, how can they reach out to you if they have more questions or they want to learn more? Uh, they can go to my website, donnaliesmanette.com. Yeah, it's just my name. If if you have that available, they can do that. And right. um, yeah, now we're doing some events. I'm going to be starting a tour of events for the public and a tour of events for um, speech language pathologists. So I'll be, I'll be uh, getting those out pretty soon. So if anybody is interested, just connect or communicate with me and um, I'm available to come do those personally or uh, online, whatever works. Great. Excellent. Yeah. Well, Thank you again for joining us and and best of luck with everything. Thank you. I'd love to keep in touch. I want to thank Donna for joining us again on the podcast. And I certainly learned a great deal about heart-centered care and heart-centered therapy. And uh, I just really appreciate everything that she's doing. And it has brought me a different perspective on how we can relate to the clients that we're serving. And so I, I really appreciate Donna for for all the work that she's doing and and putting this message out there. So thanks again, Donna. And with that, thank you for joining us on the podcast. We will be back again next week with another episode. If you don't mind, leave us that five-star review. That always helps us attract new listeners and new subscribers, which is what we're always after. And until next week, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.